Every year, a person wastes 115 hours just looking for a movie to watch. Welcome into Down the Hall Podcast. My name is Chet, and I'm here with Rodney, and each week we provide our listeners with a movie night recommendation of the week. We do so by sifting through the seemingly endless options on Netflix, Amazon Prime, and the like to help our listeners take back movie night. But Chet, in addition to that, we also have the opportunity of interviewing actors, directors from the movies that we recommend, most of which you track down. But tonight, we're combining both types of episodes, both a movie recommendation along with an interview, to tell you a crazy story about how a high school dropout, through a tangled web of connections, was able to co-create our movie night pick of the week. Our movie night recommendation of the week is Creep a 2014 American independent found footage horror film directed by Patrick Bryce, who previously had directed The Overnight. It stars Patrick Bryce, along with Mark Duplass, who Rodney and I knew from the movies The One I Love, Safety Not Guaranteed, and the TV show The League. This film is easily accessible to you. It's found on Netflix, and we weren't the only ones who loved it, as the critics raved about it, giving it an astounding 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. It has become a cult classic, leading to not only a sequel, but a third installment in the works. As we said before, Patrick Bryce not only directs this movie, but stars in it as a videographer who answers a Craigslist ad for a one-day job in a remote mountain town. Upon arrival, he finds that his client, played by Mark Duplass, is not at all what he initially seems. What transpires over the next hour and 17 minutes keeps the viewers guessing, as something never quite feels right. And your concern for Patrick Bryce's character, Aaron, grows along with your suspicion of Mark Duplass's Joseph. Amazingly, this movie was made without a production crew, but perhaps even more amazing than that is how it came to be. For this episode, we interviewed Patrick Bryce, and what we learned was a story of how not only Creep, but also 2016's Best Picture winner, Moonlight, share roots in a poorly reviewed, quickly forgotten horror film shot in the mountains of California called Pig Hunt. You've probably never heard of Pig Hunt, and neither had we, but this indie horror about a killer pig became incredibly important in Patrick Bryce's career and the formation of this episode. But before we get too ahead of ourselves, let's start where all good stories start, the beginning. First, let us introduce you to Patrick. In my first ever conversation with Patrick, it became clear that this man has a love for people and movies. We asked him a familiar question that we've asked many directors, that is, what got you into filmmaking in the first place? What we found was that his answer was anything but familiar. Well, I, I wanted to be a filmmaker as long as I can remember. It really started with uh, growing up in a really small town in Northern California where I lived kind of in the middle of the woods. And so my my main window into the outside world was television or the television set my dad and i would rent movies at least once a week and we'd always just like rent the stupidest movies we could possibly find and it ended up being a real education and being something that i looked forward to every week that's a long way from you know the the, the practical aspects of actually making a movie but that was a that was the the, the kind of spark that, that that started me on this on this journey this answer was fascinating to me. Movies were not just fun or a hobby for him, but were actually his connection to the outside world. Patrick went on to explain that it was the movies that played with interesting story structures like Fargo and Pulp Fiction ended up inspiring him to want to get into the movie-making process. It was, a, 
it was a real goal for me. And, you know, during that time, that was when movies like uh, Fargo and Pulp Fiction and all these really kind of amazing American independent movies were coming out. And, you know, so I was exposed to all that stuff pretty young, maybe a little too young. And uh, that kind of material coming into the coming into the mainstream and like people playing with odd story structure and doing it in a really entertaining way. That's what first kind of got me excited about, you know, wanting to make stuff. But what we went on to learn is that the path that he took to get there was anything but conventional. Well, I got to give my parents credit for knowing that uh, I had a, you know, spark that wasn't necessarily appreciated by my teachers in, in school. Uh, I, I actually ended up dropping out of high school my, my junior year, which was kind of encouraged by my parents. Um, you know, they, they knew I wasn't having a good time. I was getting C's and D's and uh, I just... I just wasn't happy. And they said, you know, if I wanted to move to San Francisco and start community college classes, that they would help support me. So I think, you know, they were giving me like $400 or something like that a month. And I was living in a shared apartment in San Francisco back when you could actually do that uh, and taking community college classes and working by the time I was 17. I did take film classes, but I really, I really kind of drifted away and ended up spending, I don't know, maybe like six or seven years where filmmaking was still the goal. It was still what I, what I wanted to do and was still the sort of light at the end of the tunnel, but I got really distracted. Patrick went on to explain to us how over the next few years, he took odd job after odd job to support himself, including being a valet parking manager. It's not that he had lost his passion for film. It had just moved to the back burner. It wasn't until he took his next odd job working on the set of a movie called Pig Hunt, that he was thrust back into the movie-making world. I actually ended up working for a film producer in San Francisco uh, who was producing this this film called Pig Hunt. We confirmed the name with Patrick. Pig Hunt, yeah. And suddenly Pig Hunt, a movie with an IMDb score in the 4s and a Rotten Tomato score in the 20s, became the focus of our conversation. It's an insane movie. Two years I, I, I worked on that movie. from From its inception to taking it out and trying to sell it. You know, we went to the Cannes Film Festival at the market at Cannes to try to sell that movie. And it was eventually bought by the distribution wing of Blockbuster right before they went bankrupt. For those of you under the age of 21 who might not know what Blockbuster was, picture Netflix in a store. Uh, but I think they sold it. So I think it's, it's still out there, but it's a really, really weird movie about a monster pig terrorizing people in the backwoods of uh, Mendocino County. And that was my first real ex exposure to like practical narrative filmmaking. And uh, it was great. You know, I learned a lot. Uh, I was working for people who didn't really know what they were doing necessarily. And so I think that actually helped because I was thrown into a lot of situations where I had more responsibility than I probably should have had and was kind of having to navigate things on my own and uh, so I had to grow up a lot doing that. In addition to growing up, though, Patrick was also growing close to a key member of the tangled web of connections we mentioned at the beginning of our episode. The the film loader on the movie Pig Hunt, the guy who uh, reloaded the mags of super 16 millimeter film was James Laxton, who, you know, uh, shot the movie Moonlight, was nominated for an Academy Award last year. And he, he's, he's one of my good buddies and it was, uh, it ended up being him and I hanging out a lot on the set of pig hunt. Cause outside of 
loading and unloading film magazines, James was just kind of hanging out. And when we were on set, I didn't really have that much to do. And so James and I ended up spending a lot of time together. And when my wife and I moved to Los Angeles, we actually moved to him and his wife, Adela, who produced Moonlights, we moved into their apartment that they were moving out of. But the question remained, how did Patrick meet and begin working with Mark Duplass, an established actor in his own right? Enter our tangled web of connections. And for clarity's sake, we're going to help you keep track of it. Adela, that's James Laxton's wife, had just been producing Katie Asselton's first movie, The Freebie. Katie Asselton is Mark Duplass's wife. It was sort of after it was after we moved down that our friend Adela was like, hey, you know, my friend Katie needs a nanny. They haven't had a nanny yet. And my wife had nannied her whole way through college. And, and the first job that she got when we moved to Los Angeles was working as Mark Duplass and Katie Asselton's nanny for their for their then two-year-old daughter. And I ended up just, I was going over there, hanging out. I was still in school and, you know, I was just kind of the nanny's, the nanny's boyfriend at first. Obviously the, the rest is kind of history, but uh, it turned into a, it turned into a great relationship. Mark and I just developed a friendship kind of organically. He was mentoring me coming out of film school, like trying to, trying to figure out what was next. And this all ties back to Pig Hunt, actually. And it all goes back to Pig Hunt. Through a friendship with the movie loader, whose wife knew that Mark and Katie needed a nanny, he goes from the nanny's boyfriend to co-creator with Mark. Here's Patrick on the early stages of Creep. Well, it really came from, Creep Creep really came out of conversations that Mark and I were having about, uh, you know, thinking about making a film that only had two actors and no crew, and thinking about the idea of making something, uh, and how something could, could be made that didn't didn't have, didn't, wasn't, wasn't reliant on the sort of like normal, uh, pretty much, you know, snail pace of production and trying to make a bunch of people, uh, uh, sort of, uh, you know, collaborate on, on one single vision. And so it was sort of out of those that we came up with this character and this situation where this guy is hired to come out to the woods and film him. And so it kind of became a found footage movie by default. If you're unfamiliar with what Patrick means when he says found footage, it's the type of movie that's filmed as though a character in the movie is recording from a camera or their phone. A couple famous examples would be Cloverfield or The Blair Witch Project. I'd seen Blair Witch Project and loved it, and I didn't really... And and the the first Paranormal Activity film, I I saw that as well, but, you know, uh, I'm not a... I'm not a big horror movie buff. Neither is Mark. I mean, I like them and there's ones that I love um, that are some of my favorite movies of all time. But I was, you know, I've never been one of those people that watches every horror movie that comes out or anything. When we were first making Creep, when it, it was actually called Peach Fuzz uh, in its initial iteration, uh, we it was kind of a dark comedy, you know? It was kind of more of a... Uh, dark character study between these two characters and it wasn't it wasn't as geared towards you know the sort of like jump scare horror uh tone that uh, it, we, we ended up pushing it towards it was really once blumhouse became involved and we actually showed jason blum from blumhouse in an early cut of the film and he he was like guys like you know 75 percent of this works but the 25 percent that doesn't you can reshoot and if you lean into the fact that you guys made a horror movie and acknowledge that you guys made a horror movie, he said, like, we, you know, we'll help you, you know, get behind it and try to put it out there in the world. And that turned into a really amazing hard process. Cause we, 
went through what he does with all of his movies, which is he tests them and, um, you know, based on those test scores really decides whether he's going to make changes or not. And we ended up spending a year doing that on the first movie, including changing the title to, from Peach Fuzz to Creep. Patrick and Mark, who set out to make a dark comedy, were then approached by Blumhouse Productions telling them they had a horror movie on their hands and that it could be really good if they were willing to make a few changes. To their credit, they were and they did. But the most important thing was how the audiences would receive it. No, I mean, Creep Creep 1 had no marketing budget whatsoever. We released it exclusively on iTunes before it came out on Netflix. And so people that... Uh, it did have a, a good festival run. So I think there was, you know, word of mouth from that for sure. And so people that were anticipating the movie bought it on iTunes before it came out. And then, uh, but for the most part, it was a film that was discovered on Netflix. What's, what's nice about both my first and second movie coming out in the same week, which is what happened with Creep and The Overnight, uh, and the overnight being released theatrically and creep being released on Netflix. Uh, the overnight came out in maybe 300 theaters nationwide. And it made, you know, like, I think it eventually made like a little over a million dollars or something like that in those theaters, which meant a few thousand people came to see it, you know, uh, creep was available to 60 million people in one day. And I can't think of another time in history when that that level of viewership has been available to a filmmaker uh, in at one moment. You know, I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing. It's just it just meant that ten times more people saw Creep than saw The Overnight, even though The Overnight was something where it was a you know it had movie stars in it, and I wrote a script, and it was a much more deliberate film. Then this other movie, Creep, that was this weird amorphous movie that I spent two years making, you know, like the overnight felt like a proper film and Creep felt like, you know, essentially an experimental film to me. And so it was a trip having that experience and then having more people respond to Creep, especially because it was just available to more people was also a trip. Um, what's been helpful was was genre fans watch everything. You know, so interestingly, it's Patrick's amorphous project without movie stars that goes on to be seen by 10 times the number of people. And ironically, it was a large part of its success to its transition from a dark comedy to a horror movie made by two guys who admittedly don't even love horror movies and who only met because of a separate horror movie about a killer pig. Patrick goes on to explain how a lot of its success with horror movie fans may have even come from the fact that it didn't intend to be a horror movie. I was incredibly nervous about marketing this film as a genre film. You know, we kind of went back and forth about it, and I didn't want to uh, create expectations that we were not fulfilling. I was also unaware of how sophisticated uh, most genre fans are in terms of their, in terms of like how they interpret it, interpret movies. I'm not saying creep is a sophisticated movie. I'm just saying, you know, it's a, it's, it's presenting itself to a fan base that is super critical, but also super, um, uh, accepting when they, when they are seeing something new done with the same tools that they, they, you know, the reason they like watching these kind of movies, 
whether it's, um, you know, not, not at all with creep, but like gore or, uh, you know, a, a monster or, uh, uh, you know, how you play with the psychology of the characters or, you know, for the most part with our movie, the, the, you know, the narrative tension and the sort of like masochistic element of the movie where, uh, you kind of feel an unease the whole time you're watching it. And I can vouch for this. Both Rodney and regular listeners of the show know I can't stand horror movies for the most part. Yet Creep was definitely different. Without using gore or a monster, Creep kept me glued to the screen as attention continued to increase throughout the movie. Patrick said they took that same approach for Creep 2. It's pressing that button for people for sure. And so it was really nice to uh, realize that when we were operating off our own instincts with the first movie in terms of what we thought made a good movie and what we thought made sense, when we were applying those same instincts and listening to those same instincts with the second movie, uh, which, you know, we knew what kind of movie we were making going into making that second movie. It definitely made it easier to make that second movie for sure. And it took up a lot less of our time. And, and, you know, the fact that people are responding the way they are to the second movie now is only more reassuring for us in terms of going forward with these movies. You know, we, we came up with a, um, a few different iterations for Creep 2 before we uh, eventually settled on the one that we, we shot. And a part of the reason why we kept shelving these ideas that we had were because they were forced and they weren't us. They weren't coming from the same place that we came from with the first movie where, you know, it, you know, th- these movies are kind of goofy on some level. I mean, sure. We're dealing with these dark elements, but they have these, you know, they have this sort of comedy and uh, irreverence sprinkled in. That is the reason why Mark and I are excited about making them. So it wasn't until we, we, uh, uh, really embraced that, that we, uh, you know, found ourselves making Creed 2 and actually getting excited about the potential for what Creed 2 could be. So there it is. Patrick Bryce, a high school dropout who takes a job on the set of a movie called Pig Hunt, makes a friend who, through a series of connections, introduces him to Mark Duplass. The two of them set out to make a dark comedy and come out on the other side with a horror movie that is now beloved by many. As Patrick mentioned, Creep led to Creep 2 with hopes of Creep 3. Surely none of this was on his radar when he walked onto that set for Pig Hunt. So I asked him, did you ever for a moment think while working on Pig Hunt, I'm going to be working with Mark Duplass on a, on a, on a, what became a movie franchise? And then later, when you guys were doing the dark comedy, did you ever think we're going to make a successful, essentially horror franchise? I, I would have laughed in your face if you told me that. Um, you know, I, I, but, but having gone through this process and finding myself in the place where I'm at and this place being generally where I thought I would be, but not, not, you know, not in, not having made these movies in these categories at this level for sure. You know, what I would say is it's a testament to being open to, the opportunities that are presented to you. And even if those are not necessarily what you thought you were going to be doing, but at the same time, taking all these uh, things that I've learned doing all that other stuff that, that I was doing in the meantime 
and applying it to what I'm doing now. You know, I think about the fact that I was like essentially managing employees at age 19 and being a director for a large part is managing creative people, you know? And, uh, there's a lot of like simple bread and butter, you know, aspects to my skill set that I fall back on that I never learned in film school that, you know, I learned like living out in the real world and, uh, you know, not being a dick <laughs> or trying not to be a dick, uh, while, while, while creating something, you know? And, um, I think that goes a long way. We here at down the hall podcast feel entirely privileged to have been able to talk with Patrick and other actors and directors from this past year. We hope that by hearing Patrick's story, you might see that where you want to go might take you on an extremely unusual path and maybe even require you working on the set of a movie about a killer pig. We want to, of course, thank Patrick for his time. You can follow him on Twitter at Patrick underscore Bryce. You can also follow Mark Duplass on Twitter at Mark Duplass. We do hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to watch Creep, which is available to you on Netflix with a 96% Rotten Tomato score, since that is our movie night pick of the week. And also look for Creep 2 arriving on Netflix on December 23rd. Speaking of movie night of the week, be sure to look for our typical episodes where we provide a recommendation along with a movie night to avoid and some shenanigans in the process. You can find us on Twitter at DownTheHallGuys or go to our website, DownTheHallPodcast.com. Here with Rodney, I'm Chet, and we'll see you next week. Bye.